words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Recently in a lobby outside of a medical lab at TCH at Texas Children's Hospital, I saw a scene unfold. It was an older child, not a toddler, but just a few years older, like seven or eight, throwing a spectacular toddler-like tantrum. It was spectacular in its raw and honest energy. Even though we did not want to look, the folks around the scene found it hard to look away. The little girl would alternate between flinging herself on the floor and flailing around, screaming at the top of her lungs. And as her parents would talk to her calmly and try to pick her up, she would go totally limp heavy to hold that way, and so sink quickly back down into the floor. If you've ever watched a cop show or been to a civil disobedience action, you might be able to imagine this scene. The girl looked like she was resisting arrest in every possible way. Her poor parents were so amazing. They obviously sympathized with her. They didn't want to go into that lab any more than she did. Whatever exam or procedure, though, that had been prescribed was unavoidable because it was needed for a diagnosis. Maybe instinctively, she just preferred the condition she was in, the one she knew, whatever illness she had adapted to, she was familiar with. Or maybe she was tired of the discomfort of trying to figure out what was going wrong with her body. Whatever was going on with her and her family, it was clear that she was afraid. Things were not right the way they were, but the way forward was painful. So the energy of all of us in that room trying not to look at her was not judgment. No one was saying, oh, those parents should have taught her better, or she's a little too grown for that. It wasn't judgment at all. You could see compassion on people's faces. The energy was not judgment. It was understanding. Everyone in that lobby experienced some level fear and resistance last week. Whether on a personal level facing illness in a hospital or collectively as a people experiencing another shocking wave of hatred and violence. Some of the others in that room, adults included and, and maybe especially adults, were maybe wishing they could throw a big tantrum at life themselves. Because the way forward towards wholeness and health seemed unfamiliar somehow, almost
almost impossible, maybe even painful. But we need the diagnosis. While tantrums are tempting and fear is understandable, Jesus encourages us in the gospel today. He encourages us against all odds not to be afraid. More precisely, he encourages us not to give into the fear, the hatred, the violence that is rampant in our lives. Jesus says, be not afraid, little flock. Be not afraid, little flock. Be not afraid. Jesus' advice, the good news, read to us, handed down to us, the tradition of the faithful, is Jesus' advice of vigilance. Jesus advises us to be vigilant, but not vigilantes. We are encouraged about 365 times in the sacred story, in the Holy Scripture, with the words, do not fear, or something very close to them. We are encouraged around 365 times to be not afraid, to fear not. The presence of all those encouraging words inspiring us to not fear, inspiring us not to fear in our lives, means that fear was very present and is a common shared human experience. You wouldn't say don't worry to your friend if you didn't think your friend was, wasn't going to worry. You don't just out of the blue say don't worry. You know your friend has something to worry about and that's why you say it. You say it to help ease their worry. And that same dynamic is present in our scripture. Fear not has the same dynamic. Jesus knew that his disciples for ages to come would have moments of fear and despair. Fear is common. Faith leads us through it again and again. Faith, our faith, calls us to the other side where spiritual courage, compassion, and faithful action are to be found. Faith leads us through our fear. As Hebrews, the words in Hebrews state, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, even when we can't find the way forward, even when we're afraid of the way forward, even when we don't want to do what we have to do. Our faith will lead us through. So this is a difference Jesus is pointing out in the gospel. The difference between fearful and alert. I said before, between being vigilant and being a vigilante. 
If you stay in a state of fearfulness, if you stay in fearful as a, an emotional, spiritual state, even intellectual state, it will erode your spirit. It will foster paranoia. It will tempt you to become insular, unkind, and much worse. If you work through fearful to faith, with faith, cultivating not naivete, but courage to have open hearts to choose, despite all the things that we cannot yet see, if you choose by faith to have open hearts, if you choose by faith to be thoughtful, if you choose to be generous each day, generous with all that you have and all that you are, generous to the other, if you choose that, if you choose it because God is a God of love, you know that God is a God of love and the very essence of our being, the reason we were created is to love and for generosity. If by faith you choose that, despite having fear or being fearful, if you work, if you choose to work through fearful with faith, you will know God's presence. You will know how to be vigilant and recognize God's presence. You will know how to walk with hope even in the saddest of times. You will know how to be vigilant for God's presence and not vigilantes against the presence of others. to choose to store up our treasures in heaven given, giving our all generously here on earth as we await the fullness of the coming of the kingdom of God. I thought about this when I saw firefighters in action just this past week. A home very close to us in our neighborhood, burned. The roof went up in flames, the smoke and the smell seen and noticed for blocks away, the sirens blasting on the fire trucks and the ambulances as they sped by. We know that fires are going to happen. It doesn't make them any less scary. Fires have existed since, well, the dawn of fire, somewhere near the beginning of time. We know they will happen. And so firefighters educate the community, the neighbors, individuals, about how to prevent fire. They help pass regulations and get funding to collectively address potential fires. They train to be ready when the fire occurs, to contain, to rescue, to even risk their well-being for the safety of others. They are vigilant. Their fire stations are to prepare to enter into service in their community, not forced to barricade themselves in for self-protection.
protection, self-defense from the fire that surely will come. We as Christians are called to do all of that against gun violence. And we are called to give our all, ourselves, our possessions, our wealth, our talent to our communities for the community good for the common good, for the fullness of the coming of the kingdom of God. We are called to pour out generously for the coming of God's kingdom. Vigilantes stay in fear and look for an enemy in other persons, often the weak. The prophet Isaiah had a vision he spoke that vision against the tendency to become vigilantes. The prophet Isaiah prophesied for us to cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, contrary to certain false religious teachings, was the sin of being inhospitable to the stranger, to the other, to the sojourner in your midst. Welcoming, being hospitable, feeding, taking care of the stranger and the sojourner, of the poor and the widow and the orphan was a profound cultural and religious moral principle that those cities betrayed and thus strayed because of their lack lack of hospitality from the vision of God for God's people. We're reminded of that vision today in our scripture so that we may not stay in any fear that keeps us from serving others. Fear can have you using your power to invade a food processing plant against the so-called dangerous food processing workers just doing the jobs they were hired to do. And by scaring them to death, creating chaos and families on the first day of school like what just happened in Jackson, Mississippi. Vigilantes shout things like, send her back. They forget that God calls us to be generous and open-hearted and thoughtful and kind. Vigilantes stockpile for personal gain. Vigilantes hurt innocents, elderly, young, and in between by taking lives such as in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. Jesus calls us to be vigilant against the tendency to become vigilantes. The right Reverend 
Rob Skirving, the Bishop of East Carolina, wrote, personally, I think it is entirely appropriate to wail once in a while. And I think of that little girl afraid of doing what needs to be done so that she could get healthy. She's wailing in the lobby. Lament, wrote Bishop Skirving, might be a more biblical word than wail. If God could be described as having shoulders, they must certainly be broad and strong enough to take all of our wailing and lamenting. But it's important to note that wailing is okay, but it's not necessarily, even though it's not just okay, it's probably necessary when tragedy strikes. Wailing is not necessarily a person's only or last action. It allows the expression of human emotion and can sometimes lead others to become more deeply engaged in human tragedy. It is a form of prayer. But beyond that prayer, we must ask not only what is the church doing, but what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we staying in fear? Are we in self-protective mode, letting fires burn down around us because we don't want to use our resources to help others? Are we afraid to face the treatment we need to have to make a safer world. We are called, invited, assured by Jesus today that fear is not the place to stay. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and to live as if we truly mean it Amen <laughs>